We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And the timing could not have been better. The day after the 49ers punched their ticket to the NFC Championship game in thrilling fashion, we are currently at the 200th episode of of striking gold and obviously the first shout out has to go to all of you fine folks for listening to this podcast on a weekly basis and making it happen but there was no way i could let this episode happen without the only co-host on earth that was appropriate the man that started it all eric freaking (laughs) crocker you know I'm all about those intros, bro. What's going on? Uh, man, uh, I, I'm just happy to be back on the show. It, it took you long enough to get me on here. Back on the block, man. Well, hey, you know I text you, and I, I knew we were creeping up on, on this yeah, episode. And I was like, and I because I, I texted you like 20 episodes ago. I was like, hey, man, we're uh, we're getting pretty close to 200. And, and it, as we kept as we were creeping up, I kept thinking in my mind, I was like, all right, where is it going to be? What's going to happen if the 49ers lose? Is the episode going to suck because we're just going to be sad and shit? And like, I just was thinking about it and, I, and, and it couldn't have worked out any better. Like for, for and the 49ers, like we used to always joke about the fact that the 49ers always give us something to talk about. And the fact that they've managed to keep, stay alive this whole time to, to bring us to this point is is exciting and it worked out perfect man because here you are and uh and welcome back to the show dude yeah man welcome i guess like a show like 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 a lot of other things in my life going on right now everything's just perfect timing <laughs> perfect timing <laughs> for everything man right well i mean why don't you i mean because obviously when when opportunity knocked you had no other choice but to take it and we, we talked about that obviously you'd been stupid to to turn down the offer that came your way but why don't you just like in a matter of a couple minutes for for maybe our striking gold listeners that don't know. Why don't you uh, tell the folks what you're what you're up to? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, while I was on the show, you know, we were talking about me building a facility and kind of waiting on that, and I'm still waiting. But the facility is out in the field right now. I can actually look and see it. Uh, the dirt work is all done. Just waiting for that to get done. Uh, hopefully in the next month they'll start. We'll, we'll see. They've been kind of dragging their feet on it. You know, everybody blames COVID for everything now. <laughs> you know? It's an easy it's excuse. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. COVID takes a long time. Like, what? <laughs> Man, what does that have to do with you guys coming out here and pouring <laughs> this concrete? So, you know, we, we, we have, you know, I have that going on and I'm excited about that and, and, and where that's going. But also, you know, the, the Locked On 49ers show is, is doing very well. The Locked On NFL draft show is, is starting to take off, especially – uh, with draft, you know, really right around the corner. 
And actually, it started for a lot of other teams. Not 49ers yet, so that's exciting. But, um, you know, everything everything is just going well, man. And I, I'm, I'm very thankful for all that. But a lot of things have happened on God's time, including me coming back for the 200th episode of Striking Gold. <laughs> I know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I put a lot of thought into it. It was like, man, I want I want Crocker's episode to be cool, but if the 49ers lose, it ain't going to be that cool. But the 49ers didn't lose, so here we are. They did um, not lose. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy G, man, came through in the clutch for us. I know, dude. That guy has the weird, like, I was talking to a bunch of friends, and, and they all talk shit on Jimmy G. It's all the friends of my fantasy group. And I kind of said, I was like, I was like, Jimmy Garoppolo's not that good. Like, he's kind of good, but he's not that good. But he comes through in the clutch like no one else like it, it just it's kind of weird like he creates he's he's part of what creates the clutch situations in the first place and the fact that they're needed but <laughs> i mean it, it's tough to deny that he comes through in a clutch man like some of those someone, throws he made in to, to set him up for the field goal were, were pretty money so someone basically explained to me like he's a wasn't a, a narcissist or ar- arsonist who's the boys <laughs> that start the fire an, a narcissist is really into themselves an arsonist sets things on fire Okay, it's an arsonist. Okay, excuse me, guys. Uh, he bad. could be both. Um, uh, he could be both, but he's he's an arsonist, but he's a firefighter as well. And <laughs> that's a, he does. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, he plays both roles extremely well, extremely well. You know, I, I've been saying it for like the last, I don't know, few months, really. Jimmy Garoppolo. There, there aren't. I, I can maybe count one or two quarterbacks. Maybe the two quarterbacks we just saw tonight in that crazy. Uh, divisional round game between Buffalo and uh, oh. Kansas City Chiefs. So I guess I kind of have to add those guys to the list. So I'll say there are maybe three quarterbacks in the NFL that I would take over Jimmy Garoppolo with two minutes left in the game on the line. Now, everything that happens before the last two minutes, that's the, that's up for debate, right? <laughs> that's not the most ideal uh, quarterback play. But that last two minutes, I don't know. There's just this kind of comforting thing with Jimmy Garoppolo that whether it comes over him, it comes over me where I literally <laughs> am not worried. I'm like, Oh, Jimmy's going to come through. And he always, he typically does. He typically does. Right. Yeah. It, it really is quite weird. And I mean, you cannot, you, you just cannot talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and the bad things he does without mentioning the good things he does. I think that right. a lot of people get that wrong. So often is, is they want to isolate Whatever whatever their feelings are about Jimmy Garoppolo, they want to isolate whatever they whatever helps them in their argument without bringing up all the good stuff he does. And I had uh, I had Bonte Hill on here uh, on the last pod, and he just did a great. He kind of like I asked him what his feelings were on Jimmy Garoppolo, and he like summarized his whole tenure as a 49ers player and all the things he did for the organization and all the games he won and all the life he brought into the franchise and shit. And the way he worded it, I just sat there. I was like, you know what, you're right, man. Like you can't hate on all the things Jimmy Garoppolo does in a game without also acknowledging all the good things he's done for the team slash does in a game because that guy at the end of the game is just on another level, I guess. Which... Yeah, and, and that's why his teammates are, they're all in on him, right? I mean, when you talk about, I mean, I guess you could say, or what are they supposed to say, right? He's the quarterback of the team right now. But I do think it's very genuine when they, you know, talk highly, speak highly about him. And what he brings to the team and his leadership and his calmness and his demeanor uh, when he's out there on the field. I, I think there's something to that. Now, you know, saying all that, it's <laughs> it's, it's not, <laughs> not a word, of, you know, without, I, I, you know, it always comes off as people bashing him. And I don't want to come off as bashing him because you don't win as many games as he has with the 49ers without a certain level of competence at the quarterback position. Right, but right. I don't think it's the most ideal way to have to coach or watch your quarterback. Uh, you know, there were several passes against the Packers, and I know we'll get into that game that were kind of like fluttering to the sideline, and it was just Ooh. like, dude, I, I, you know, you're 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 playing with fire, you know, arsonist playing. You're you're playing with fire, and it was scary, and I think a lot of it is scary, you know, and I think, like you said, he kind of. He puts the fire out, but man, he starts those things, and it's it's not the most ideal way to play quarterback. And but again, with whatever he's doing, it results in wins a lot. So it's like, how, how much can you complain about a guy that has brought so many wins to this organization, an organization that really was in the dumps just a few years ago? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 it's a good segue into the the Packers game too, because obviously the first thing we're going to talk about, no matter what, is the old Jimmy Garoppolo. He's he's earned that much. And you're right, dude. Those he kept throwing those throws under pressure to the flat, and he was throwing them like he had a uh, 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 what we saw today, a, a Mahomes or a Josh Allen arm. <laughs> and the, the, he doesn't have that. And it was every time that defender was like a split second from being there, in, like a step away, if you will, from making that either an interception or a pick six. And there was the one that should have been a pick six, but the defender had his eyes on the guy he was going to tackle because he just figured the ball was going to get there before he did, not realizing that it's Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball. And he had time to actually break on the ball and didn't looked at the guy that he was tackling and, and tackled him yeah. instead. Um, but yeah, there were there were plenty of plenty of Jimmy Garoppolo throws in that thing that just that they got lucky didn't result in. I mean, he did have the one interception, but they got lucky that it wasn't something more often. But of course, and and you know what? And, and to to back Jimmy up a little bit, he Jimmy Garoppolo at least in the start of that game he came to play. He was making some great throws. And his his targets were just dropping them. Whether it was Brandon Ayuk, um, George Kittle dropped that that should have been a touchdown, you know. So it, you you got to also acknowledge right. the people that weren't necessarily helping him out. But you know, I can't. That George what, Kittle one would have been crazy, right? If he would have caught that crosser, I mean, we we know how he does after the catch, and that that would have been a big catch and run opportunity there. Would have got things really going offensively for the 49ers. Yeah, I I assumed he was going to score, but there's a, you know that defender that's running behind him might have caught him. The 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 other safety was a little behind him, but coming over probably might have gotten to him. But at the same time, it's George Kittle, and you got to bring him down. So um, it looked like George said it was going to be a touchdown. So I, but he, of course he's going to say that. I don't even remember what was Jimmy Garoppolo's one interception. It was oh at the goal line when they were about to get line. points. Got it. He was got late. it. Yeah, late on the throw. Right. Well, we've seen so much football since, uh, so much insane football since that game. It's like it's all clouding my vision. But just, a, <laughs> I mean, that game was unbelievable, man. Uh, just if you can bring it all back into your mind, what were just what are your thoughts on that on that Forty Niners game, bro? So uh, you know, obviously, I have my YouTube channel, and I had uh, my guy Ross Uglam on, and he covers the Packers for uh, Packer Packer Report, and. He said something that was very interesting. He talked about the Packers being able to get up and how they essentially would make the 49ers quit. And one thing I could say about the 49ers this year is there is no quit in this team. No. And, you know, they displayed it on many occasions, whether, you know, it was like what we saw against the Rams in that comeback in that game week 18 or what we saw against the Packers, or really just digging themselves out of a hole that they were in this year, starting the season two and four, then going three and five. Like, that's not ideal, but there's never any quit in this team. They they fight. And I, I think that's the one thing that jumped out to me the most with the Packers game is, regardless of the circumstances, and even the way that they won, maybe not the most ideal way, you know, having to block a field goal, having to block a punt, return that for a touchdown. But one thing I've learned about this team is they're just gonna, they're going to figure it out. And I thought that, like, that was my biggest takeaway from the game. They will figure out a way to win the ball game. It's like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park when he just says, life finds a way. Yeah. And it's pretty much what the 49ers are doing. And I think you brought up a good point, man. And it was it was something I tweeted about earlier today was just the fact that the 49ers season – that game and the 49ers season as a whole tells you what type of team this is because they started three and five and they had some bad losses. They had that one to the Colts at home in the shitty weather. They had that one to the, uh, you know, to Colt McCoy uh, when, when Kyler Murray was out. They started three and five. And then since then, they've gone coming all the way up to today, they've gone nine and two. So it's almost like wow. two separate teams. Like, you have a three and five team, and then it was almost like they woke up against the Rams, you know, when they beat the shit out of the Rams early in the season. And that was at a time where the 49ers hadn't really earned that much confidence yet. And then they come to life against the Rams. They go on the road right around that same time. They beat the Bears, and then they just come to life. And nine and two is no joke. You know, like that's elite NFL winning right there. And 
in, in, you know, and even if you look at the wins and that's some of the things that that's one of the things I noticed before they played the Cowboys, I was like, I was looking at the Cowboys schedule and I'm like, who has this team beat that gives them any, yeah. any credibility, you know, not that they were, they, they earned some, but I just, I just wasn't threatened by their schedule. And then if you look at the 49ers, at least towards the back half of that winning streak, you had an overtime win against the Bengals who are now in the AFC championship. You had that week 18 must win game against the Rams who are now in the NFC championship. And then they've beaten the Cowboy and the pa- Cowboys and the Packers on the road in the playoffs. Like that is a legit ass resume right there. Like there is nothing like unearned about this 49ers team and where they are. It's not a fluke. It's not special. It's, or it is special. That's a bad word. It's just, they got here on the fact that there is, like you said, no quit in this team. And they are going to do what it takes to figure it out, whether that's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether that's an insanely good defense, or <laughs> my favorite storyline of this fucking Packers game, when all the chips are down and the, the defense is playing great, but the offense just can't score a damn point. It seems like something out of a movie. <laughs> Here comes the special teams from out of the mist. Like, like, like when there's no other hope, here comes the special teams. One of the worst <laughs> special teams in the NFL, excluding Robbie Gold. And they, they block a kick. They, and not only block a kick, but Jimmy Ward blocks the kick, who gave up the, the, the play that, would, that got him there in the first place. And then a guy who has a high ankle sprain that wasn't even really expected to play in the game, and Jordan Willis busts through the middle to block a punt. Talanoa Hufunga, a rookie, picks it up and scores, ties the game. And then Jimmy Garoppolo comes walking in, marches him down the field. And obviously I'm saying all of this knowing that the defense played an absolutely incredible game of football. But it just was – Everybody got to do something, I guess, man. <laughs> I just that game was just so weird. Including Kyle Shanahan with clock management, right? You know, a lot of people have complained, you know, a ton about Kyle Shanahan and his clock management, and oh man, he's so terrible. Well, the Forty Nineers got the ball; it's around four minutes left in the game, and when they kicked the field goal, time expired. That's great clock management, right? With the way that they did that. So, uh, kudos to Kyle, Kyle Shanahan for that. Even the decision to run it on third and oh seven God. with Debo Samuel, uh, you know, essentially being able to melt the rest of the clock or at least run it down to where, you know, if they did have to kick a field goal, there would have been very little time left on the clock. Uh, just tremendous clock management. I think that that aspect of the game has kind of, you know, been over- overlooked just a little bit. Well, and I was, uh, I was telling the significant other while we were watching the game, I said, you know, she's watching, I'm watching, we're all locked in. And I'm as they're making that drive, I'm like, right now, using up that clock is scoring points to win the game is 50.1% of the priority. And using up the rest of that clock is 49.9% because they did this shit last time they played the Packers. They orchestrated an amazing drive right when they needed it, took the lead, but they left 37 seconds, whatever it was, on the clock, and Aaron Rodgers proceeded to march down the field and beat him with it. And so I was like, I was like, they would rather send this game into overtime with a missed field goal or 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 the drive not result in points at all than, than give Aaron Rodgers another chance at this ball. And and they did it. Like you said, man, the fact that they used all of that time and then still set themselves up with a field goal with a run, man. And the crazy thing about the run is, and this is maybe a little bit more of a kudos towards Kyle Shanahan, somebody who you and I know to be pretty stubborn and and pretty hard headed. Like he outright said, we planned to pass the ball, but then I called timeout. We talked about it and we decided to run it. And of course he gives it to Debo Samuel, somebody who's just evolved into one of the premier offensive weapons in the NFL and they get it. It's just unreal to me, man. And the fact that it wasn't even an easy, an easy game, like Debo Samuel had to break tackles and do what he does to, for them to get that first down. It's just <laughs> everything about that game was just wild to me, dude. I, I, do, yeah. I didn't even, I was like, I just couldn't really comprehend it as the, like once when the 49ers tied it up, I was like, holy shit, this game is tied. Like, they can still win this game. And then, 
you know, they do everything they got to do to get down the field. They're about to kick the field going like it just it, it, it was all taking so long to register because it was just such a weird game. I didn't know what to think of it. Didn't know what to think of it, but they did the damn thing and they're going to the NFC championship game to face the who? The Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> Same old sorry ass Rams. No, they're not sorry at all. This is good. This is a good Rams team. And I, you know, obviously I know the 49ers beat them twice in the regular season. It's interesting to see the fans' reaction to, you know, having to play the Rams again. Maybe it's because 49ers have beat them six straight times. And and that's tough. Or seven straight times, whatever it is right now. That's that's crazy, right? Like just a, a crazy streak. And maybe it's, it is as simple as Kyle Shanahan just has the Rams numbers. But when I look at this Rams team and just with how dynamic they are, the playmakers that they have on both sides of the ball, it's a scary team, man. Cam Akers is back. I think he's running extremely well outside of his blunder at the end of that game, fumbling the ball. He's running extremely well. That's, that's, that's a, it's a tough matchup in my opinion for the 49ers, just with the, you know, the explosiveness and the big playability from all of the guys there. So that's, it's an interesting one. I think that the 49ers matched up better against Tampa. And most people would tell me, like, no, you're wrong. Tampa is really good against the run. To me, I don't think it matters how good a team is against the run. The 49ers are going to be able to run regardless and then be able to do everything off of that. But, yeah, this against the Rams, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, and I kind of had, had to walk myself back a little bit because I, was, I kept thinking to myself, like, who in the hell beats the same team seven times in a row? Like, who does that? Like, how is that even possible? You know, it is, and I, and I don't even know what to think about it. So you got to, you, you tell me the way you feel. Does beating so, someone six times, hold on, I got, I got to pose right. a question. Does beating someone six times in a row, does it mean like you have their number and you're going to beat their ass again? Or does it mean the other team is due one? <laughs> like, which one do you lean towards? I think there's something to it. Like, I, I don't think it's just like, oh, you just beat this team a bunch of times in a row, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just the next game. And I and I try to look at each game individually because different things happen to each one that end up resulting in a win or loss, right? So right. they're all different. And even if you go back several years, you know, that the streak has been going on the last few years, the personnel has been extremely different. You know, there was no... Odell Beckham and Matthew Stafford early on. Now I know this time around there is, but I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's always difficult. And everybody, the thing I keep saying or seeing, especially on social media is it's hard to beat the same team three times in one year. But history actually shows the opposite. (laughs) History shows that 67% of the time that teams meet in the playoffs that have played early in the season and one team won two of those matchups. That team wins sixty seven percent of the time. Like that's that's a high number. So maybe there is something to having a team's number, having a coach's number, understanding how they move, how they work, and just being better than them this year. I have a hard time seeing that's the case with the 49ers right now. But you know, again, maybe I'm just overthinking it. Well, and, and I, I had to walk myself back even more because I was like, yeah, the 49ers have beaten the Rams six times in a row. But like you just mentioned, the personnel is different. And these, they've really beaten these Rams two times in a row. Like the 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 the, the state. And when did they trade for Von Miller? When did that trade happen? Uh, right before the Odell trade. So uh, a little bit before the first meeting between the two guys, between the two teams, right? Because I Odell thought it was like right meeting. before. Yeah, so Odell got traded like that week. And then right. he showed up. Robert Woods had the injury. Odell ended up playing. Von Miller was traded the week before that, but he didn't play in that game. So his first time playing with the Rams was against the 49ers in the first matchup. Okay. All right, cool. So that so I mean you could you could make the argument that, that they've beaten this version of the Rams twice. The first time they played him, it was not close. Uh kind, right? kinda. But Odell's they, better they, now. They, Odell and Von Miller, they were on kind of like a snap count. They, they didn't just play that whole first game that way. And it was new. You could see that the continuity between Odell and Matthew Stafford was off. Um, it's continued to kind of develop, and they've gotten better as the season went on. Right. I believe it was right. week 17 or, you know, whenever the Rams played the Ravens. I believe it was week 17. Uh, Odell ran the wrong route. Stafford threw it to where he, you know, thought Odell was going to be. And there was an interception, ran back for a touchdown. So they've had to work through some of those things. But I do think that they've 
continue to get better. And if you watch them even today or last week, you see that that continuity between the two guys is is starting to pick up. Right. Yeah. And it's and that's a scary thing, too, because, I mean, we've it's been a while since we really had a good grasp of what Odell Beckham Jr. was. It's pretty clear that he's still so he's still good and he's still got it. But, you know, what we saw with the Browns was never really, a, you know, he dealt with some injury. He had to deal with playing with Baker Mayfield, which he obviously didn't care for. And now it seems like he's kind of rounding a little bit, curving closer to the Odell Beckham Jr. that we know from the past rather than, you know, the other direction. I think a lot of people wanted to think of him as kind of washed and done and really only had one cool catch and one great season type of deal. And he looked pretty good. And then you've got Cooper Cup, and obviously we know what he's doing. Somebody could make an argument that he's the MVP uh, offensive MVP of the year, you know, whatever you want to say about him, you know what he is. And so, I mean, no matter what the 49ers have done against the Rams this season, there is still a threat. And like you mentioned, we talked about it before we hit record, just seeing what I saw today, I liked the matchup against the Bucks better than I liked the matchup against the Rams. And I understand the 49ers have beaten the Rams twice. And to me, to kind of go back to where we started, I think it's easier to be the 49ers in this position right now. You know, I think it's easier to be the team that has already beaten the other team twice and knows that they can do it and knows how to do it. Not to say it's going to take the exact same shit. Um, Then you are the Rams going, okay, what do we have to do different to beat these guys? Now there's still some, there's still some positivity to take from the Rams. If I'm Sean McVay, I'm looking at how that first half unfolded. And saying, look, everything we were doing was right. It's my bad for running onto the field and celebrating with you guys in the end zone. I'm the reason we lost that game. Let's go ahead and get back to what we were doing. We were beating their ass 17 to whatever, 17 to 3, 17 to 0 by the end of the first half. And we can beat these guys. You know, there's there's he there's some shit he can say to his team that, you know, will inspire them to feel like they can beat the 49ers. And obviously that last game came down to overtime, so of course they can, but I still think it's probably better to be the 49ers that have beaten this Rams team twice than to be the Rams team that's lost twice trying to trying to figure it out one more time. But I right. don't know, man. That's that's just it, philosophical. It might be it, it might be as simple as Matthew Stafford take care of the ball. Usually that's my conversation about the 49ers, right? If if Jimmy doesn't turn the ball over, you have a much higher chance to win the football game. And you know, the Rams are probably looking at it a very similar way for them. If Matthew Stafford doesn't throw multiple interceptions, which he's thrown four in the two meetings this season, they probably feel like they win those games. So I'm not saying it's going to be that simple. Obviously, the 49ers play terrific defense. And the 49ers, you know, force some of those takeaways. But I'm pretty sure if you're the Rams, the conversation that you're having in the locker room is, hey, we limit these mistakes. And we'll beat this team. At least that's what I would be telling my players. Right. Yeah. You just kind of you kind of look at it and you're like, you he has plenty of positive things to show his team to say, look, we, we this is just what we had written down before the last game was right. We just need to execute. And but the the thing that's going to be in the back of the Rams' heads, the thing that's going to gnaw at them all week, and I guarantee you they're going to be thinking about it during the game is. They lost to the 49ers after going up by 17 points. How? What were they up today against the Bucks? Was it 24? Oh man, it was 27 to three at one point, I believe. Yeah, so 20, and and they lost that lead too. And it took. And there was a there was a lot of wild stuff though. It, it could have even been worse, right? I mean, you think about the fumble right before halftime where they were, they fumbled on the one yard line heading in right. for a touchdown yep. that took points off the board. They had a missed field goal, which their kicker is going to the pro bowl. He missed a field goal that took points off the board. Obviously Cam Akers fumbling again, Cooper cup fumbling, Like it took some extreme measures for them to let the bugs back in the game. But Maybe that's just who they are because, again, that's we saw I was that say. week 18 against the 49ers. So, you know, undisciplined teams, sometimes they do weird things. I look at it the same way with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You know he's kind of bound to do some funky things once or twice a game. And uh, maybe you just have to accept the Rams for who they are, and they're going to let teams back in games even if they have a huge lead. Right. Yeah, that, and that's where I was, I was going to say, too, is like, 
turn it, it, it. You can do a lot of amazing things without turning over the ball. But if you turn over the ball a lot, then that's just who you are. And a, there is a chance that you can fix it. And, and maybe the Rams have their their crescendo game when they finally stop turning the ball over and they can win by multiple scores. But man, they sure do turn it over consistently to a point where you just, you know, if you're that defensive, you're D'Amico Ryan, you're saying, look, these guys will give up the ball. You know what? Did you watch Did you watch uh, Hard Knocks this year uh, on the Colts, the one that took place during the season? I, I didn't. I keep telling myself that I'm going to catch up on it, though. Well, Bub, you remember you remember Bubba Ventron? That used to play on the on the on the 49ers. He was more of a special teams guy. I'm I'm not sure how many years he was. He was kind of a little short guy, and he had kind of had big hair, like almost like Troy Polamalu hair a little bit, a little stocky white dude. And he was really good. Okay, at special yeah, yeah, teams. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I know exactly I th- what you're talking about. I think he was a backup linebacker, and I think they only had him for I don't know how many years. I think it was during the Harbaugh years, if I'm not mistaken. But he is their special teams coordinator for the Colts. He is now a special teams coordinator. And which is a hell of a fucking accomplishment, you know, special teams coordinator. Yeah. That's a huge role in the NFL. And he showed that team film. I can't remember the team they were playing. Might've been the bills. I think it was the bills actually. And they were like, he was like, look, this guy will give up the ball. This, this kick returner, he drops the ball a lot. And sure as shit during that game, he fumbled a kickoff or, or it might've been a punt or a kickoff. Can't remember. And, and the, uh, the, the, Colts recovered it, and I think they scored off it, or they either scored off the fumble or they they recovered it and then scored shortly after. And that's the same thing that, like, you know, D'Amico Ryans is going to be saying to the defense is, look, like, these guys turn the ball over. Punch the ball, get at the ball every time. You know, you saw that that tackle that Fred Warner made on, what is it, Mercedes Lewis uh, against the Packers? Like, if somebody filmed that shot up close and I saw the clip of it and I was so damn impressed because if, and I've said it many times in this podcast, but Fred Warner is a hard six, three, like he's almost six, four, 240, 50 pounds, whatever he is. And he just smacks Mercedes Lewis so hard. And what's crazy about it is he didn't even form tackle him because he just, he basically just ran up and smacked him with his chest as he punched that ball out. (laughs) <laughs> and I was just like, dude, that is some insane power right there. Because Mercedes Lewis yeah. is probably, what, 6'5", 260? Yeah, he's you know? a big dude. He might even be bigger than that now at this stage. In and he's probably like 60 though. years old, so he's got old man strength. He seems like he's been in the <laughs> league for 30 years. But and so, I, you know, D'Amico Ryans is definitely looking at that film saying, this is this has to be us every play. You know, like get the ball out because they're coughing it up. And Cam Akers had a chance to really like develop this. Like, you know, they were talking him up pregame, saying, "Hey, he's gonna he's gonna be their primary back. He's he's gonna have a big game. This is gonna be his thing." And he and he looked pretty good. But man, what he did he turn the ball ball over twice? Yeah, two fumbles. And, and one thing about the 49ers, because if you're gonna fumble the ball, nobody in the NFL forced more for more. <sighs> <laughs> Nobody in the NFL forced more fumbles than the 49ers this season. Right. So that is going to be something that I'm pretty sure the Rams are going to focus on, you know, ball security. And the 49ers are going to be focused on punching that ball out every time they go to tackle someone. Right. And I don't even know. I mean, obviously, kids at my level, when you coach them, you really only tell them to get at the ball if they're the second person to the player. You know, the first guy, we just want him to tackle them because – you know, they're little kids. They're seventh and eighth graders. They're, they're not that powerful, but I mean, at, at the NFL level, I mean, you play DB, are they coach? Like, do they coach the first guy should always be going for the tackle and the second guy rips at the ball or do they just want you to get after the ball? Uh, they'll tell you to kind of get after the ball. Obviously like there's certain techniques or certain angles where you're more likely to just make a form tackle. But if you just watch a football game I'd say on 70% of the tackles, maybe even a higher percentage than that, you'll see a guy punching at a ball or ripping at a ball. Like the NFL ball security is so, it's so big because, yeah, these defenders are really getting after it. And it's crazy because when I sit and watch high school football, you know, I'll sit in the the bleachers and I see all these kids with poor, like they have poor uh, like awareness of where everybody's at, but the guys tackling don't, put an emphasis on punching the ball out because like you said, they are more focused on just making the tackle. But if 
kids started just punching balls out, I mean, you'd easily force 20 fumbles <laughs> a year <laughs> in high school football if you really wanted to. I'm right. just saying that's off one guy. Like one guy, if he's a, let's say like a middle linebacker in high school football, if he really wanted to, he could force like 20 fumbles. <laughs> right, and they it, it's like you said it. They probably at that at that level are are more concerned with just making solid tackles and and form tackling and stuff than they are forcing turnovers. And if somebody just had the, I don't know, the gumption, the balls to say, hey, we'll we'll risk a missed tackle every now and then if you can if we can really start forcing some turnovers and maybe it will work. I don't know. I don't know. You're the coach, man. Well, I mean, I guess I'm a coach too, but whatever. Right. Whatever. <laughs> um. All right, so something we got to talk about, and 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 I feel like we kind of already know the answer because we've seen it many times. But I brought this up before uh, we started recording. But Jimmy Garoppolo so far in the playoffs against the Cowboys and against the let me you know let me bring up the I want to at the same time bring up the Cowboy game just to make sure I'm not messing this up. But Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs so far through two games, twenty-seven of forty-four. That's 61%. 303 yards. That's 6.9 yards per attempt. Nice. No touchdowns, two interceptions. That's Jimmy Garoppolo so far in the playoffs. And then Matthew Stafford so far in the playoffs. Two games, same number of games. 41 of 55. 74%. 568 yards. 10.3 yards per attempt. Four touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's some good playoff yeah. football. <laughs> There's uh, somewhat of a difference there, right? And I and I think with a lot of fans, when you when you look at well, the 49ers won. I, I think a lot of people are looking at you know, well, how are they winning? And. There's a case to be made that it's not because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, that's not to say that he's not playing well enough to win. But there's a clear discrepancy with what it looks like when you watch him as opposed to the rest of the remaining quarterbacks in the playoffs. And, if you know, if there were a quarterback draft right now, right, if if, if all the teams were like, all right, we're going to all put our, you know, there's four quarterbacks, well, four teams, and we're going to put all of our quarterbacks into this draft. Jimmy Garoppolo is getting picked last. And the team that last and, and the team that, that had to pick him is pissed. Yeah, they're they're probably like, <laughs> okay, how are we gonna do this with Jimmy Garoppolo? How am I gonna limit some of the mistakes that he's prone to make? You know, we, you talked about the amount of attempts that he has in comparison to, you know, uh, you know, other guys or in comparison to Matthew Stafford. He's throwing far less, but still turning the ball over at a much higher rate, right? Yep. Without even giving you the explosive plays with touchdown passes, he hasn't thrown one yet. So, you know, it's it's the, you have to make it to where it's not quarterback versus quarterback. Like the the game we just watched, you know, Sunday night, the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. At one point, that just turned into a quarterback versus quarterback competition. Right. <laughs> yeah, it it was just a shootout. Who who's going to end up making the most throws? And I didn't think it was because of just poor defense. Obviously, when Mike Hughes fell down, that wasn't ideal. But those quarterbacks, uh-huh. they were just dialed in. I mean, they were just throwing ropes. They were making all the right decisions. They had explosive plays. They had guys running catch opportunities and things like that. You can't get into that with Jimmy Garoppolo. You have to play really good complementary football. You need your defense to be on point. You need your special teams to make sure they're doing well. Maybe put Debo Samuel back there to return some kicks to help you get good field position. You need to lean on that run game. You know, you, you need some things to kind of, one, take the, you know, keep the ball away from a team like the Rams who can have explosive plays, but also uh, do things that really set up what Jimmy Garoppolo does well, which is throw over the middle, raise up after, uh, out of play action, make a throw here and there. But I, I think most people watching know that if the 49ers win, it won't be because of Jimmy Garoppolo unless he has to make that drive in the last two minutes, and he's shown he can do that. Right, man. It's it's such a weird relationship. We talked about it earlier. It's like, you know, he's he's the arsonist and he's the firefighter. It's like it seems like he 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 is responsible for putting himself in a position where a, a heroic drive is needed, but then when the heroic drive is needed, he can pull it off pretty often and it's weird. And and obviously you don't necessarily need to compare the two quarterbacks. Really comes down to the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo's been 
pretty solid against the Rams defense, and Matthew Stafford's just been okay against the 49ers defense. And and at the very least, the 49ers have shown that they can they can get after him. And I can't remember, uh, or I mean, I got it right here. The last time they played him, that uh, the defense got after Matt Stafford. What is that? Five? I think it was five sacks total. Yeah, five total sacks. Eric Armstead had two and a half. Man, what do you, dude? What do you make of Eric Armstead, bro? We haven't talked. I mean, obviously, you you've been off uh, in the land of locked on 49ers, but what Eric Armstead has just evolved into just a machine. He's playing extremely well. You, you know, the thing with Eric Armstead is, I, I think he always plays well. It's just kind of hidden by maybe not having the sack numbers that people want to see. So when you look on the stat sheet and you see, oh, he had two and a half sacks. And then, you know, another game he has, oh, he has two more sacks. And then, oh, he has. So now it's like, oh, he's balling. But really, I think he typically on a game-to-game basis, there's a lot of things to disrupt the timing and rhythm for opposing quarterbacks. And not That's just the quarterbacks, work. but in, in, in the run game as well. Right. Yeah. It's been, it's just been cool. I mean, cause I, his, his career arc has been kind of crazy to watch. You know, you think about his rookie season, he didn't get hurt. He just, he just was kind of like a rotational defensive lineman. It wasn't like DeForest Buckner in his rookie season where he played every possible snap you could possibly play like over a thousand snaps. Uh, Eric Armstead's rookie season, it was kind of rotational. Then he had those two seasons where they both resulted in a season uh, or a season ending injury. And then ever since that point, and I think people were really down on him at that point, he's slowly risen up. He did have that one season where he had like 10 sacks. Uh, yeah. I think the 49ers paid him the season after that and, you know, and it did the whole trade. Or maybe it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't that season. But, you know, and obviously once that DeForest Buckner trade happened, I think a lot of people kind of got down on him in the way like, really, we chose this guy over DeForest Buckner. And we know it wasn't that simple. Like the decision was not that cut and dry. It was not, we can have Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner. A lot of shit went into that. But it's been cool to just see the fact that, I mean, not everybody, pro football focus is not the not the Bible. You know, it doesn't explain the whole situation. But if you go to pro football focus right now, Eric Armstead is is having a better season. And, and, and he's yeah. the one in the playoffs. And he's got what, like, I think he has like five sacks over the last three games or something. Yeah, I mean, right. he's pushing the pocket right in, you know, pushing the pocket right in the quarterback's laps and, you know, collapsing everything on them. He's, if you just watch the all 22 on him, it jumps out that he does some freakish stuff. You know, he, the way he's able to move at that size, he does some crazy stuff. Is is he, you know, just this great sack finisher guy? I, I think more times than not, he's not, but like clearly right now he's on fire to where he is that guy. And, you know, his confidence is up. He's making plays left and right. He's, you know, contributing to the other guys, really working. And D'Amico Ryan's talked about it. You know, that light switched for him when he started to play him more full-time inside when Javon Kinlaw was down. And it has turned his, really his season around, like playing him more inside. So I know a lot of people were saying that that's something that should have happened. From my understanding, they've been playing them at that big end because they run more quarters and too high. So you want somebody more stout on the outside versus run. But now he's like just primarily kind of a three tech type guy. And it has just taken his game to the next level. Well, and and almost makes the Kenlaw pick a wasted pick. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have just done this the whole time, which I thought this was the plan when Buckner. Okay. Buckner and Armstead were drafted to be three, four ends. That was the defense that the 49ers used to play. Once you move to a four, three, now it's like, okay, one is a three tech, but we can't play both as a three tech. And we need one that's more of a defensive tackle. Uh, so what do we do? Well, let's play Armstead at big end. First, they try to make him an elephant end and have him drop weight. That didn't work. Then they're like, all right, we'll play him big end and then slide him inside at times. You know, but still the production wasn't quite there, obviously, until he had kind of that big year when they, you know, also had D4 r- rushing off the edge. But I just thought it made the most sense. Oh, okay, Buckner's gone. Well, you can slide Armstead inside, which I think, you know, playing three tech is more of his traditional position. Well, no, they didn't. They decided to replace Buckner with Kinlaw. And I always just thought that was really weird. Yeah, it was almost like it was almost like they weren't even they weren't even sure what Buckner could be, or not Buckner, excuse me, what Armstead would be inside or could right. be inside, you know, and, and and they were it wasn't until they were forced to put into that position where when they were like, and how long has it been since Eric Armstead had that role that he's in now? what, like three years, right? Like right. since Buckner got there, essentially. So 
you know, he finally got to step into this role. It's kind of like Jimmy Ward. Like he, after playing multiple positions on the defensive line, just like Jimmy Ward played multiple positions in the secondary, you finally plug this person in at what may be their most natural position. And he just explodes. And it, that to me does not seem like a coincidence. Like, it, and, and you think about it, like playing three tech, like you really only have two jobs, man. Like, if it's a run, stop the run. If it's a pass, go get the guy. And like you're way more unleashed in that role than he would be out there on defensive end, where sometimes you're just trying to keep contained. You can rush the passer, but don't create a lane. You know, don't cut too far inside. Don't go too far out. You know what I mean? Like he just there's so much less to think about what he's where he's at now, and I think it's obviously paying off. I don't know what they're going to do with Kinlaw, but they'd be dumb as hell to move Armstead off that spot now. Right. I mean, you he's know. playing at too high of a level. <laughs> right. So, I mean, anyways, that got off on a little Armstead tangent there. But, um, you know, it, it, I guess when you start really boiling it down to this game, yes, they've beaten the Rams twice. Uh, but you just have to treat this game like it's something completely new. And I think you're facing a Rams team that kind of, whether it's in the playoffs or, you know, not in this, you know, since, I mean, like the Stafford numbers say, since the playoffs started, they're playing at a pretty high level, and they're looking good. And they beat the shit out of the Cardinals, who the 49ers got swept by. And they, uh, you know, outside of some blunders, were, were beating the shit out of the Bucks pretty well. So they've got a decent amount of momentum coming to this game. And, and I think the 49, for the 49ers, it almost comes down to the same things it always comes down to. Like Jimmy Garoppolo trying to take care of the football and move the ball efficiently rush the passer or run the ball and then rush the passer. Like the we know the 49ers going to be good against the run, right? Like they just kind of have earned that. It's just they're going to have to do something against Matthew Stafford doing what he just did today. And what did he have two plays? I, I can't remember how long that last drive took them against the Bucks to win the game. <laughs> they needed two plays uh, and it was cup and cup. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like there was like a a, a play in between there, but it was something like that. I mean, they, they had to drive the field in like 30 seconds or, you know, something like that. And he, yeah, he drove down. I mean, he obviously hit that big one to cup. That was huge. You know, I had a lot of money on the line there. So um, I, I had, I, I bet I put down a hundred dollars. Right. And I did a money line parlay. Okay. I text my guy. Right. And he's in, he's in New Jersey. My guy, Jason Aponte, uh, 49 oh, okay, got you, got you. right podcast, spent right option podcast. And I hit a party. He's kind of my bookie. And I said, Hey man, cause he's in New Jersey. It's legal there. I said, Hey, <laughs> hey how much I said, if I do a parlay all money line with using the 49ers Bengals, and Rams, what does that look like? He was like, well, a hundred dollars gets you 1800. I said, all right, done. Sending you the money. Now I sent them the money and obviously the Bengals won, 49ers won. So the Rams was the last one. Now, throughout this game, you can cash out. Now, if you cash out, you won't get as much. So when the, before the game started, I could have cashed out and I could have turned my 100 into 700. But I okay. said, nah, I think the Rams are going to win. So obviously the Rams come out, they jump out on top. And at one point, I was able to cash out for $1,500. They're up, two t- they're up like 17, whatever they were up, 21 points. And I'm like... Don't cash out. You know, it was like 1500 You could take that home. Like, you turn 100 into 1500 My wife was like, no. Let it run. No, no, no. I'm like, no, right. no, no. You got you to gotta go back to the – you got you to gotta repeat what you said in the tweet. What did you say your wife said? She was like, nah, daddy. Let it ride. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I'm going to let it ride, babe. So, um, man, it got a little nerve-wracking <laughs> there. And you see how it happened. And my wife – that was the most – Intense. I've seen my wife over a football game. Uh, was it because she was into seconds. the game or because of the money? Because of the money, for okay, sure. Okay, good, good, good. That's because fine. We, That's had, fine. we had we had the option to cash out, and we didn't. And she's like, "All right, uh, you know." So she's nervous and she's watching it. She's into it. You see the the Cam Akers fumble. She's like, "Oh my gosh!" And then obviously uh, the big hitters to uh, Cooper Cup. She was extremely excited about that. So. Maybe that I got to bet on more games to get my wife more excited about football games. But yeah, I mean, even then, just looking at that those plays, 
it just shows the explosibility that the Rams have. And that any moment, if you kind of let your guard down or, you know, have a misstep, they are a team that can really make you pay. Cooper Cup, he had over 180 yards in that game, man. That's, you know, he's having an incredible season. Right. Yeah. No, and it, it's funny too, because when you explain that story, when you, but you said you could have cashed out before the game and won like 700, right? So yeah, I could have cashed out before. And then while they were up, I could have cashed out and it would have been like 1500. That right there is exactly when I would have cashed out. <laughs> I am, yeah. I am not a gambling man. And I have, I have gambled on sports twice, won both bets. Um, and, but I, I could tell you, I, while you were reading that, while you were saying that story, I was like, man, that moment right there. I don't think I would have cashed out at the 700 because I would be like, man, if, if they win this game, I'm more than double my money. So this still seems like yeah. a, good, you know, a good bet. So but that moment yeah, you got no, to that 1500, I would have been like, boo. And it probably was higher than that, but I recorded a draft show. So when they went up 27, three, it probably was like 1700, but I was recording the draft show. So I missed like, I missed like the third quarter. I pretty much missed. Yeah, I missed the third quarter. Most of the third quarter. Yeah, that so, would have been that would have been my uh, moment. It right was there. even higher than that. Yeah, that's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah, and it was. Uh, now, the, here's the thing that it comes down to for me, and this is maybe you know I'll, I'll I'll say my piece when it comes to the 49ers and the Rams number three, and then I'll let you close it off uh, since you're our esteemed guest today. I don't like the matchup for the 49ers. I don't know why. I know the 49ers can beat the Rams. We know that. We've, they've beaten the previous incarnations of the Rams. They've beaten these Rams. They just beat them a few weeks ago in spectacular overtime fashion. I know the 49ers can beat them, but I don't like the matchup. You know, I just the Rams are playing great football right now. They've got a lot of momentum. The fucking Super Bowl is going to be played in their stadium, and they are one game away from going to it. So... You know, that is there's just so many things at work that are that are, that are guiding the Rams right now to making it towards that Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I could go and list all the mismatches, you know, the receivers versus DBs, all this stuff. Debo Samuel might be slightly injured. Trent uh, Williams, we're waiting to hear about his injury. X-rays were negative. I'm going to give you guys that. Um, but, we're, you know, could be it could still be a decent sprain. Um, I think he plays in the game no matter what. But anyways. There's th- you know, I, there's just all these little tiny things at work that make me not feel great for the 49ers about this matchup. But if there's one thing this fucking team has taught me throughout this season is that I cannot count them out and I would be an idiot to count them out. Like yeah. Every single game they've gone to, they've been the underdogs. Going, I mean, you can, and like I said earlier, Google all the way back to the season, they started three and five. They were, everybody was talking about what, how high the first round pick was they were going to have to give up for the Trey Lance trade. You know, we, we, you can go all the way back to that conversation. And this team has shown me that it does not matter what the odds are or what, how, how many chips they're down. It doesn't matter. Do not count them out because they play a brand of football that is just tough to handle. For every team in the NFL, it's tough to handle. And the Chiefs look good. And and against the Bills, they look dominant. The Bengals have come into their own since they've played the 49ers. But I can still guarantee you that none of these teams really want to play this 49ers team right now. Because they just do some weird shit that seems like it's tough for any team to handle. And so... I'm not saying the 49ers win it, but I sure as shit am not saying that they're going to lose because they have just impressed the living hell out of me. They are now playing with house money. They've gone further than I would have expected. And, you know, like it's, it's, it's there. They're up two to zero. Let's see what the round three brings. You know, and it's funny because a lot of people, they, they, the, the, the media said that, right? Like, Oh, the 49ers, like that's a scary team. Nobody wants to play the 49ers, but then they continue to pick against the 49ers. The 49ers continue to just slay everybody that you put in their way. So that's going to be interesting with this this game. And, the, the you know, my final kind of take on it with saying, you know, I could say, hey, the matchup, it's a little, it's a little weird to me, right? It's a little weary just when you look at the explosibility of the Rams and their players. But I think the best thing that the 49ers have going for themselves is just knowing we can beat this team. Yep. We can, we have, 
and let's just keep our foot on their throats and let's get out faster this time. You know, you, you've had to play, play a game where you started off behind. Now you, you, you know, you play the game where you jumped out ahead. Now let's, let's find that happy median, play well, uh, you know, jump out to a nice lead, run the ball and impose our will. And maybe that's the team that will quit when the team gets down because it won't be the 49ers. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited about this team and the possibilities. We'll see. Uh, we're going to speak into the existence, man. 49ers are being the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, hopefully it's the Bengals because that Kansas City Chiefs team. Whew, <laughs> I saw it tonight. That's scary. Hey, but they looked that, – that Kansas City Chiefs team looked just as scary when the 49ers played them the first time. And, yeah, the 49ers lost, but I remember just being yeah. shell-shocked in that first half. Like, holy shit, the 49ers are taking it to the Chiefs right now. You know, and 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 and, and going up against the Chiefs again in a rematch, that's, that's a fun feeling right there. But, uh, man, you brought something up that I was going to mention, and I just forgot about it because I mentioned the Chiefs. But oh, you know what? You know, what I was what you said that I was going to mention is a good point. Is you know, whereas Sean McVay can go to his locker room and say, "Look, we were up seventeen to zero. We made this mistake. So let's just not make those mistakes again. We'll we'll kick their ass." Kyle Shanahan, on the other time, on the other hand, gets to walk into that locker room and say, "Hey, we beat their ass like thirty-one to ten the first time we played them. We spotted them seventeen points the second time we played them, and we still won the game." Let's not spot them shit this time and kick their ass for four quarters and we are going to the Super Bowl. And so, you know, that's that's an equally strong message. It, it may be even stronger than anything Sean McVay is going to be able to tell his locker room. Is the 49ers know that, hey, last time we spotted them 17 and we still had that ass. So let's, let's just not do the spot this time. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. I'm excited about it, man. Well... Fuck, man. It's a pleasure having you on again, bro. Just like old times. Happy 200th episode. Wow. I know, man. Happy 200th episode. Eventually, we'll get another co-host, but hey, man, it's uh, you don't you don't easily replace Eric Crocker. That that we now know. That we now know. Although KP was doing, uh, uh, you know, I can't. KP was doing an amazing job before SB Nation decided to be a bunch of bitch asses. So it, it is. Yeah, I saw it, that. <laughs> it is what it is. But hey, man. It ain't about that. I appreciate you, bro. It's good to hear from you. Good to be back on here with you bullshitting again. And uh, I'll just make sure it's not it's not as long this uh, next time before you jump back on here. <laughs> All good, bro. All so, good. And hey, maybe you never know. Maybe we'll have uh maybe we'll have more reason to jump back on here in a week. I keep saying that and the 49ers keep winning. Like I'm always kind of like in my heart like like I'm, I'm afraid of the fact that you know the next podcast will have to be a sad one, and the 49ers just keep winning. That's a good problem to have. They keep winning, baby. Yeah, I, right. I wanted to say just win, but I know that's the Raiders slogan with Al Davis. So I won't say that, but just keep hey, winning. <laughs> and you have one more obligation to close out this podcast. I think you probably know what it is, but yes, sir. Let's do right. it. <laughs> he already fucking knows, y'all. Hey, I, you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you better be psyched out of your mind for what you're about to hear, dude, because this is this is going all the way back to the OG. All right, folks, that's the end of the episode, and I appreciate you for listening to Striking Gold. You have made this podcast what it is. No podcast on earth touches 200 episodes without a strong support behind it, and y'all have stuck with. Crocker stuck with KP stuck with me all this time. And I appreciate it again. This podcast has way more to do with you guys than it does with me. And I appreciate it. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Make sure you keep doing that. Download rate, comment, subscribe, uh, recommend to your friends, all that good shit. Um, but unfortunately the episode has to come to a close. I'm Rob. That's Croc. This is striking gold. And we are signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.